Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Pak. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. A former professor with a bachelor's in communications and philosophy and a master in fine arts, he wrote a book and now hosts and produces a podcast of the same title, The Gospel According to Star Trek. Safe bet this guy's going to make me look like a real dummy more than once. From Fort Worth, Texas... It's Kevin Seamus! Yeah! Yeah! Kevin Seamus! <laughs> hey, man. Hi, how are you? I am well. How about yourself, uh, sir? I, I'm doing well. You know, you have some you have some schmancy doors around here that I get to walk through. And, <laughs> and then I'm greeted by a Muppet. So, like, this is pretty cool. Listen. I'm happy. We, we roll out the red carpet for our guests, man. This is, <laughs> this is how we do. <laughs> the red carpet, the green felt, whatever. You know, it's all good. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Oh. Gosh, it is, awesome. uh, it's so great to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I got to say, like, um, when I was first getting this stuff rolling, uh, this stuff, my show, right. uh, you guys were one of the first people I found just because you had, you know, you you really had your stuff together and oh. you had a solid a solid listener fan base and you, you had a specific angle. You had a specific mm-hmm you know, niche because it, it's easy to just be like, Hey, I'm a Star Trek. You're nurse. You're a Star Trek nerd. Let's get together once a week and talk, talk Star Trek. Right. right. That'll fizzle out in about six weeks. Yeah, um, absolutely. But you guys come at it <clears throat> from this perspective of, you know, analyzing it through a biblical worldview. Right. And with the amount of Trek that is already out there and the stuff that's coming out now, I imagine you guys have your hands full. Yeah, we're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh yeah, it's it's a fun time to be doing this and really our motivation um was new Star Trek coming out because I had I had written the first book which is the Gospel According to Star Trek the original crew. So it's on the uh the original series, the animated series, then the first six films and the Kelvin timeline films. So everything with Kirk and company in it. And then there will be a next generation book, Deep Space Nine book, Voyager, Enterprise, et cetera, et cetera, as we go down the line. That's going to be so, so much fun. I can't wait yeah, for this. This is great. <laughs> Neither could I. Um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> and uh, and so the idea was, well, there's, there's new Star Trek coming out. It's weird that I'm not engaging with it. And so we were going to be just a discovery podcast originally. And, uh, and then that didn't take off. And uh, we couldn't couldn't make it work. And then we decided to use the beginning of Lower Decks as the sort of, you know, kick in the pants we needed to start our show. And uh, and so that that got the ball rolling. And we've just been 
sticking with it and just like well there's a new episode of star trek so there's got to be an episode of our show and uh and we've actually split the show up now so we have two shows we have our show every week that talks about that week's star trek and then when there aren't two weeks two episodes of star trek that week which there have been in recent history and wrecked the rest of our schedule um when there aren't we will also have the topical show which would have been the back half of the old show and uh, where we talk about right now we're going through a series on the next generation so we'll take an episode of the next generation we're kind of going pseudo sort of in chronological order we're in the second season right now we're uh, working on measure of a man we just recorded our, our episode of measure of a man this week so <sighs> measure um, measure of a man such a good episode <laughs> in it though yeah yeah it's really I, great to, to me and i mean I'm a paralegal. That's my nine to five. So any oh, nice. sort of any sort of courtroom setting, any sort of like I don't get me wrong. I love a, a space dog fight. I love a shootout, you know, with phasers and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I love all that stuff. But a really good spirited philosophical debate yes. where you can see both sides. Yes. I'm all in, man. I'm yeah. all in. You're gonna you're gonna like it because that was that was kind of the the thrust, like the inspiration for us on this one was was that type of conversation that's going on. We called our episode "Crucible of Truth." Ooh, um, so nice. I yeah, I, you might enjoy that. But anyway. yeah, well, you know, uh, I you know briefly mentioned it, and you mentioned it. Your book is awesome. It's oh, really shucks. really great. And I, we <laughs> talked a little bit before we started to roll about. Um, about all about it and i gotta say uh it's super well written and which is not a surprise you're a very smart man um and it's i imagine it can it the the i imagine the temptation to get preachy with some Mm -hmm. of that stuff uh had to be there but like it's but it's not preachy it's it's very accessible it's very accessible is what i'm driving at the the one thing i wanted to ask you is would it have killed you to put in some pictures, man? Like, <laughs> I. <laughs> it might have cost a lot of money for us. For us, visual <laughs> learners. I drew them myself. Oh, I know, I know, right? <laughs> That's great. I, I will say, say though, like, that- you, because you've got you you meticulously cite your sources, which I love. I Thanks. love that you cite your sources, all of them. Yeah. Um, like. Did you did you run into any hurdles in terms of like, hey, can I can I use this or that or you know, is did did you hit any speed bumps in terms of like putting this thing together with specific sources? No, not at all. I uh, you know I come from the reason that is the way it is is that I I come from or I come through an academic background as a writer. Um, I was not an academic really to any extent until I got into college and then figured out a purpose for being an academic which is that my intellectual life and my spiritual life are necessarily intertwined and that uh, there, that there's not a separation between them and that learning more and growing in my learning and then growing in my writing and all that was a spiritual process, was a part of making myself a better human being. And my professor, Dr. David Noggle, who was my mentor, uh, about whom I co-edited a book called The Good, The True, The Beautiful, go check it out. Um, he, uh, or, or in, in honor of actually, I should say, not really about, but in honor of him, we, it's very diverse. <laughs> but uh, he really instilled in me that idea. And so I really got into to school at that point, I really got into education. And that's where all those meticulous footnotes come from, is that background. But I've always had a very like kind of journalistic, more not quite conversational, but a journalistic style, an accessible style. I try to have an accessible style of writing. And really, you know, you talk about the temptation to be preachy. I think the temptation to be preachy for me 
would be less that, oh, I'm dealing with this particular subject matter, you know, and just for myself, I feel like I have to preach. Although I tell you some of the, some of the writing that's in the book is, is, I mean, it's all honesty. That's me preaching, but at the same time, preachy is not the word I'd use to describe it. Right. Um, right. But, that, but I know, think if with, I had with any, a title, like the gospel, according to uh, right, right. a certain amount of preaching. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you know, that's Star Trek preaches anyway. Right. It does. Um, but, but I think the temptation for that, for me would be more to try to like prove myself right mm. to people who might be reading this who come from a more uh, a more disciplined theological background or whatever you know to try to to try to sound like i'm smarter than i am or whatever but i it ended up that the book is just really a very heartfelt expression of myself well, and uh that's trek trek nerds tend to have that tend to have that character flaw as well of yeah trying to be the <laughs> smartest person in the yeah room. yeah i, I tell you I, you know, I'll be honest. So uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit for the listeners, we are recording this uh, April 5th, first contact day. Yes. Happy first contact day. You, you can't see the Vulcan salute. I'm putting it up, but nice, live long and prosper. Nice. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so my wife, uh, you know, I said, I was like, let's throw her a couple softball questions here and see, you know, I was like, Hey, so, you know, it's, it's first contact day. She was like, Oh, cool. And I was like, do you know where, do you know what state first contact happened? I think she ran through all the lower 48 and Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico before she got to Montana. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what, just for fun, can you tell me the name of the ship? <laughs> and she guessed every animal under the sun. <laughs> and, and I was just kind of like, oh, I, this is this maybe isn't fun for her. <laughs> oh, I oh, thought dear. this was going to be a, like a little fun trivia thing. Right, right. No, not so much. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> Which is why That's I made hilarious. her executive producer of this show. Oh, so, so she can so she can say, "Hey, that's not good. I don't like that. Be like, okay. <laughs> it makes me, it makes me sort of qualify like what I'm doing. Right. Like, right. Okay. I see where you're going with this, but you're skirting a line here, buddy. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> that's great. Um, so, you know, getting into your personal history with Star Trek, and you mentioned it yeah. a little bit in the book, mm -hmm. do you have, uh, what is, what is that earliest Star Trek memory? Do you have one? It kind of toggles back and forth and I recounted it as best I could in the book, but I, I feel like I saw episodes of the original series, like on late night television when I was nice. a little kid, black and white you or know, color, co color, nice. color. Okay, cool. cool what cool. I watched in black and white was the next generation actually. Really? Uh, because oh, yes, fun. yes. Because uh, uh, my, my family, we had, we had two TVs. We had the big main color TV, but then we had a smaller black and white TV in the kitchen. And Sounds most, familiar. yeah. Yeah. And most <laughs> of my family did not want to watch star Trek you know, when I, when it was on. So I, I had to watch it like, and I think it was sometimes during dinner or whatever, but it was in the kitchen and I was watching Star Trek on a black and white TV most of the time. Um, and then sometimes I got to see it in color. So that's really weird, <clears throat> but you know, I, I have this. Hmm? Well, I was just going to say, you know, it makes me think, I mean, cause I'm coming at this a lot, uh, you know, for, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm on a, a, a film, a genre film history podcast called cinema shock. And mm. we talk about, you know, genre film history and the, right. the stories behind the stories, basically. But I always love to look at film and television. And one of the things I like to do uh, just kind of as a, I guess, sort of a mental exercise for me is how would this look in black and white? And yeah. the fact that the fact that you watched the original series in color <laughs> and next gen in black and white 
right. is super fascinating to me. Yeah, I think really that is weird. so cool. I'm I don't, I don't sure think why. I saw it. Right. <laughs> it's, it is kind of cool. I mean, you think about it. I hadn't yeah. really thought about it that way. But of course, I didn't really... I don't know if I saw even a whole episode of the original series and those late night TV offerings. Mm. It was just kind of there. Maybe my parents flipped past it. I have no idea. I don't know when I really decided that Star Trek was interesting because mm. I remember thinking it looked a little dorky. Um, <laughs> you know, I talk, I talk in the book, I think about the, the little wooden painted wooden blocks that fit loosely into the slots, you know, that are supposed to be data tapes and I'm like rolling my eyes, you know, but, but at some point before, um, Next Generation came out. I started getting really excited about Next Generation. I remember even deriding Star Trek V to a friend. Like, I don't know why they keep making those movies. You know, when I was younger. And I'm like, I don't know. What kid was that? I have no idea. Oh. And so, and so, but somehow when, when Next Generation was coming out, I was super excited about it. And there was a uh, Cheerios box that came out at that time. There was a, there was Next Generation, that whole series of Next Generation Cheerios boxes. And there was a contest on the back of it. And you could send a thing into the contest and win like this walk-on role on Next Generation. And I wanted that so badly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so That's cool. probably my earliest like real spike of a memory, you know, real peak of a memory, you know, Star Trek, of, like being nerdy about it and, and being a fan. And and then that and, you know, walking down the, the hallways of my middle school. Well, it was junior high. We called it junior high back in my day. Yeah. Um, but uh, walking down the, the halls of my junior high and just imagining myself walking down the corridor of the enterprise so I could tolerate the day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, <laughs> that, that, no, that's so great. I, I can definitely tell you next gen for me. Yep. Deanna yep. Troy. I'm one of those guys who uh, she, I, I feel I, the nicest way the, and I've always said it this way. Deanna Troy is a decider. It's, kind of hey, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hey hey young man how do you feel about this <laughs> <laughs> right right i understand oh okay i understand <laughs> all right all right yep. <laughs> but yeah um so you know so you had this uh you know you really got into school which that's the big yeah, difference between the two crazy yeah <laughs> I, I swear i drove away from my high school planning to never sit in a classroom again if it if it hadn't have been if it hadn't been number one for my wife's granddad providing scholarships for all of his grandkids to go to school and number two for dr noggle who taught me what education was for i would not be here today that's like, that's uh, what it is good teacher really makes a difference doesn't it yes he was amazing he was a beautiful human i yes. you know there was I think back to um, I went to school at Bob Jones and uh, oh I'm sorry <laughs> I was wondering if you know that name uh, my father yeah, I do my father actually graduated from there with a master's in divinity wow and um, I went there kindergarten through eighth grade which is which has not wow. had an, which has not had an effect on me at all <laughs> um, but uh, you know I was I I don't, I don't know if I had you know sort of a a BS detector. Or you know, just right. able to see through some of the some of the posturing of most mm -hmm. of the teachers there. But there was one, there was one teacher, uh, Gil Fremont, who he was an amazing teacher. I and I I paid attention as hard as I could because he made it interesting. He made yeah. we were it was history and econ. I had no interest in any of that at all. But the way he presented it was just really interesting. I still didn't, yeah. I still didn't do well in his class, but that's because I'm kind of a big <laughs> dummy, <laughs> but, but he, he I, I had the utmost respect for him. Um, when he said something, I believed him. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I, I didn't have another good, real good instructor like that until probably my martial arts instructor mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so you had, so you had that early, that early memory, and then you had this scholastic uh, blossoming, we'll say, yes. and, then, and then this book comes along. So where in there did you experience Star Trek Enterprise? for the first time did you experience was, it live did you are you one of the folks you know, who watched it live i watched broken bow live okay and i really didn't stick with the series because at mm-hmm. that time in general i was starting to fall away in my star trek watching i watched a little you know i watched pretty pretty steadily deep space nine through the first season and i watched little bits of voyager but I was getting toward my senior year of high school and, and life was getting busy and I didn't have a DVR and I couldn't, if I, if I missed an episode, I couldn't get caught up. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, even though they're episodic, I'm very fastidious about watching things in order. Uh And so I would get behind and I couldn't catch up and I just dropped it for years I just, I, you know, that was kind of like Enterprise was like, well, maybe this will get me back into Star Trek. And then I didn't stay with it, you know, and then uh, it wasn't until um, I'm going to say 2006 that I really started getting back into Star Trek. So probably about eight years, I think I was pretty much not watching Star Trek. And uh, and when I got back into it, I was I was really eager and I just started watching all kinds of stuff. But then um, I did this. Uh, I, I always did a paper every year at, at DBU where, where I was under Dr. Noggle. He had a, a thing called the Paideia College Society where we presented papers every year. And I decided I wanted to do a paper because I was getting back into Star Trek. I just watched Star Trek Nemesis for the first time. And I was like, mm. I want to do a paper on data. And I want to go back and watch Next Gen and get his arc and write a whole thing on data. And as I was doing that, I st- I'm going through, deep, I'm going through uh, Next Generation and then the Abrams movie is going to come out. Mm. And so I said, well, I got to get ready for that. So I started watching the original series, started getting like through, through into the first season of that. Then the Abrams film came out. And during all this time, what's happened is I've had my, what I call my worldview conversion with Dr. Noggle. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to recognize that there's not a separation between, you know, the sacred and that horrible word secular right? Like that, that all of life is sacred, that everything is all connected, right? Mm-hmm. And that my intellectual pursuits, as I said earlier, are necessarily spiritual pursuits. And so when I see Star Trek, I'm seeing it in a whole new way. And I was like, number one, my paper on data. And then by the time I got done getting ready for that paper, I knew my whole paper was on the whole of Star Trek, or as much of it as I could write on in one paper. And as soon as I got done with that paper, I knew I had a book. And then when I got into that book, I started watching everything that I had missed. So that's when I'm watching Enterprise is somewhere in that expanse between 2011 and 2015 or something like that in there is when I'm watching Enterprise. The only series that my wife has watched with me, the only Star Trek series she has watched with me. She watched the whole thing. Is Enterprise? Enterprise. Yeah. Wow. Is that crazy? Yeah. And, <laughs> kind of. And, yeah. But, but yeah. So, so it's, it's fairly recent for me um in that in that vein but you know it's just one of those things that i just thought well i gotta i gotta become an expert on star trek and i love it so i'm just gonna watch all of it and uh and then that's how the book the paper turned into a book and the book turned into a series no that's so great i uh so for me i was a uh you know i was born in 83 december of 83 and so 
coming up, coming up as a, you know, kid, you know, that, you know, uh, next gen started in 87. Um, mm-hmm. by the time I recall, we, my parents, uh, when I was born, they, they were living in an apartment we didn't move out of that apartment until I was eight years old. And that's when I distinctly remember watching next gen. So I, that would have been, uh-huh. nine, that would have been 90, uh, 93. Um, so towards right. the end, but like it was syndicated. So mm-hmm. it was on all the time. Right. And I recall watching it, of course, seeing Deanna Troy for the first time. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, becoming really fascinated with this thing to a point where I was so comfortable with these characters in this setting that it became one of those white noise shows or white, you know, you hear people talk, describe movies and certain movies and certain shows as their white noise show. It's the mm-hmm. show that they put on to go to sleep. Um, Comfort show. It's a comfort show. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, as my life uh, went on and I got into law enforcement, um, my first job in law enforcement, I was working third shift. So I would get off work at, you know, 8 a.m. and would come home. uh, When I say come home, my uh, my wife and I were living together at that time. And I would come home after she had left for work. Uh, We were ships in the night for a long time, but uh, I would get I would get in. We did have a DVR and I had. I had one day stumbled across, and this was roughly about 2006. Um, I had stumbled across an episode of Enterprise, and I was like, "Their uniforms have pockets." <laughs> yes, and the ship is, is the ship is a step above a submarine. Right, like, right. This is it's a, this it's is really sub. cool. This is this is different, and it's really cool, and I like yep. it. Yep. Um, so what I would do is when I would get home from work, when I would get home from third shift, I would queue up the DVR of whatever enterprise episodes had aired on sci-fi, uh-huh. you know, the night before. So I had, you know, probably two or three from the night before. And that was what I would watch to sort of wind down from the work for my work day before I went mm-hmm. to sleep. And wow. um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Cool. So, so getting into this episode specifically. Yes. It deals with, and this was, you know, when I watched this, I was kind of like, oh, I got to choose my guest very specifically. (laughs) So this, and if you haven't watched Chosen Realm, stop listening, go watch Chosen Realm and come back because this is fascinating because it deals with religious zealots. Mm -hmm. And I know from my own personal spiritual walk or crawl sometimes or sit, you know, <laughs> sure. or, Hey, or, Hey, I'll get in this wagon. You pull me, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I see things and I'll go ahead and make the reference here, um, like Westboro Baptist church mm-hmm. and things that they have done in the public eye. Yep. Uh, my initial response to folks when they bring something like that up to me is, that's not all of us. <laughs> right. They do not speak for all of us. Uh, especially folks like my wife who doesn't come from a religious background. In fact, right. her, her relationship with the church is strained at best mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because, because of, because of how the church interacted with her and her family at a very early age, put a, put yep. a sour taste in her mouth, understandably. Absolutely. Um, so right here at the outset, what are your just very cursory thoughts about this episode and of all the things that they encounter. 
let me backtrack for a second. My father always said, you know, when I, I I recall watching one of the rare instances, I watched the news with my dad. um, And of course, something was going on in the Middle East. And I said, dad, what is this about? Why are Mm -hmm. they fighting? What's going on? And I don't remember everything he said to me, but one thing he did say has stuck with me, has burned into one of the crevices of, of my brain. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll never win a religious war yeah. because both sides, both sides don't think they're right. They believe they're right. Right. And that's, that can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and I've made the comparison before of um, the scene in Kevin Smith's dogma where, yeah. where the character of Rufus is talking mm-hmm. about um, beliefs versus ideas. You're saying having beliefs is a bad thing? I just think it's better to have ideas. I mean, you can change an idea. Changing a belief is trickier. People die for it. People kill for it. That being said, <laughs> what are your cursory thoughts about this episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, you know, because you, you you point in a direction that I that I wrote down on my notes, which is that, you know, this isn't, an episode so much about religion it's an episode about war um because it is that these people are in this war and and it's rooted in something that is very deep for them that's Uh very strong for them and that they're intractable on and i i would not be the first person in the world to say that this reminds me of uh, let that be your last battlefield from the original series yeah Right, it's very much the same kind of of, of structure, really, in, in a lot of in a lot of respects, and uh, and yeah, it, it would be very easy to look at this uh, this episode and say, oh well, you know, this is Star Trek, just saying that religion is bad and we should all be atheists, right. and uh, you know, it would be very easy to do that. And I can't speak for Manny Cotto, who wrote the script whether he would say that or not i can certainly say brandon braga who co-created this series would say that for sure Mm. um, and has said that on multiple occasions (laughs) um but that doesn't mean that this episode says that and i i think the script goes to goes some distance to make that clear even if it's a short distance it does go some distance to make that clear that what is going on here is not is not an act of faith. It's an act of terrorism that is propped up by religious fanaticism. Yeah. And this isn't about faith. This is about power. And I, I really like what your dad said that you'll never win a religious war, because the truth is, if you're fighting in the name of God, even if you vanquish your enemy, you have failed because you, yeah. you, have, you have lost the battle for representing God in this world because that's not how God functions. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's absolutely true and absolutely right. It's, it's, it's true in both that sense of the intractability of each side. You know, I mean, Archer says at one point, you know, you, you fought a war for a century over this one disagreement, right? Yeah. Um, which we can talk about later about how that reflects real disagreements um, in religious circles. But then also um, that it helps to it helps us to see oh uh, but then the thing that your dad said also to me speaks to no matter who wins you still lose because you fought in the name of god um in, in this you know and you, you killed the children of god in the name of god no yeah. matter who you are yeah. so that's, i think the, i think the phrase is yeah. give a cup of water in my name not mm-hmm. not, not, not not practice your right head hook. off in my name practice right practice your right yeah. hook in my name <laughs> right exactly exactly 
double yeah. t- double tap in my name. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a cu- cup of cold water, not a cup of poison. Just you know, let's. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely right, and and so I, I like that very much, and I think this episode is a great one to discuss because it does um, allow us to pull pull those things apart to sort of tease apart those threads and talk about you know what is representative of faith in here what is representative of religion in here how does how is religion's relationship to power and to empire um the ways related to the ways in which it distorts faith and therefore pushes people away from god Mm. and one another yeah yeah ah, gosh i couldn't have uh put it better myself uh so uh you know i'm so excited to get into this with you but as we do every week uh before we dive in let's get to this week's recap Yes, sir. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday, an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. My faith obligates me to destroy your ship and put your crew to death. Hijacked. You're trying to wipe out everyone who doesn't share your beliefs. All in the name of God. You wanted to kill someone. Kill me. Trip and Travis are gathering readings on a third sphere in the Delphic Expanse. Enterprise receives a distress call from a Trianon ship, which reports that they have been damaged by a spatial anomaly. And so on. Once aboard, Dejamat, the leader of the group, has dinner with Archer, where he explains that they have been on a year-long pilgrimage to a sphere. They believe deities, called the Makers, constructed the spheres to transform the expanse, their chosen realm, into a paradise. Roll credits. Dijamat then rejects to Paul's scientific logic that there are only 59 known spheres. Believe it or not, you piece of shit. Later, Dijamat demands Archer turn over control of the ship or it will be destroyed and demonstrates this by having one of his followers self-detonate, killing an Enterprise crew member. Having little choice, Archer submits. Dijamat then sets a course for his home world and explains that he intends to use Enterprise to end a religious civil war that has embroiled his planet for a century. Dijamat also examines the ship's records and finds that Enterprise had extensive contact with the spheres, a severe violation under his faith. He then erases 19XB of sphere data and demands that Archer choose one crew member to die. While Archer is contemplating his decision, he approaches Yarek, Digimot's deputy, questioning his resolve, but Yarek rebuffs him. Archer then tells Digimot that he has selected himself to be killed, but requests it be done using a device they use for waste disposal. That device turns out to be the transporter, which T'Pol uses to beam Archer elsewhere on the ship. Sneaky, sneaky, sir. Archer then contacts Doc Flocks, and they develop a means to neutralize the organic explosives using an airborne agent. And so on. Archer again confronts Yarek and convinces him to help disperse the agent throughout the ship and learns that the religious war is primarily based around a difference of opinion over whether it took nine or ten days for the makers to complete their work. Meanwhile, four ships from the heretic Trianon faction intercept Enterprise. During the fight, the crew manage to subdue Digimot and end the battle. In the brig, Digimot remains convinced his actions were justified so Archer takes him down to their planet. The Trianons are left staring in horror at their completely devastated world, which lies in ruins, having been ravaged by the religious war. Yeah? Good! Hate when that happens. 
Uh, don't you hate it when that happens? Oh, man. <laughs> so we see, uh, you know, a lot of what we've been discussing on the show thus far has been Archer's journey. Um, yeah. The path of the arrow, if you will. Um, oh, nice, nice. Thank you. Available for parties, bar mitzvahs, corporate events. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, you know, we see him as this very eager, uh, sometimes to a fault, uh, mm-hmm. explorer who is, you know, he's helming his, his daddy's engine, you know, getting out mm-hmm. there. Hey, we're humans. We're here. <laughs> right. Right. And start the party. Like it, that's very much how he approached uh, stuff in the first two seasons. And, you know, when the Zindi showed up and cut basically a new Grand Canyon in Florida, not that we're right. going to miss anybody in Florida, but Hey uh, now, Hey now, <laughs> I I can say that because I lived there for three years. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, with all of that, we see Archer shift very dramatically. He is now more than ever a man on a mission, but now that mission is one of revenge. And we've seen him take some dark steps um, in that journey of yeah. losing parts of his soul. Uh, I will say in that he has taken prisoners and tossed them in airlocks and hit depressurize. Like, right. I mean, he's, he's done some things that are very uncaptainy. Um, yeah. But I feel like him encountering this group, I feel like is a bit of a moral compass reset for Archer. Mm-hmm. If that, if that makes sense. What are, what are your thoughts now, now that we're, you know, in spoiler territory, what do you got, man? <laughs> Well, I would say that's that's a good observation. I, I think Archer represents I maybe the most naively idealistic captain we've ever had at the beginning of this series. You yeah. know, he is just sort of this pure uh, little beam of light. You know, just plucked from the plucked from the ideal imagination. You know, of of you know whoever's thinking up Starfleet, which actually turns out to be him but yeah anyway <laughs> i was gonna say at this point starfleet could basically take place in a storefront like that's right. next to a dollar general and probably right, like right. a subway <laughs> right but he uh but you know he he does he has that and and you're very right to talk about his his shift in the series and like anybody who has ideals and has um, a, a grand vision, you know, and, and, a, and an optimism, right. Who mm. then confronts things that are not in line with that vision. He has to adjust. He has to figure out where he fits and, and if that optimism can still survive. And I think Star Trek overall has been doing that a lot, you know, in the past, let's say 25 years of the franchise. That's really been a lot of that going on because culture has gone through this shift where we are we are uh so steeped in the enlightenment and we think we know everything and we think we can prove everything with science and we're going to fix everything because we're so smart and then and then postmodernism comes along and smacks us upside the head and teaches us that we don't know everything about the universe so then we try to figure out where we go from there and uh and so after after the rise of postmodernism deconstructionism all that sort of stuff the cracks start to show in everything. And I think we're particularly at a, at a place right now where we need Star Trek that asks that question, is what we say we hold to be true still true when the things around us that are supposed to be the custodians of that 
are falling down on their job and, and falling apart as we watch. Are we going to fall apart too? Right. And you know, and that's when, happening and, in this episode. Yeah. And in looking at the reason why these two factions are fighting, mm-hmm. it makes me think of, okay, in, in terms of, you know, a personal life or maybe even a spiritual walk of like, Hey, you're doing X. Are you doing X because the Bible says to, or because you think that's how it should go or because that's what your parents did. Like, right. What are your reasons for doing what you're doing? I saw that a lot growing up and I'm, I'm sure you probably had a similar experience where here in South Carolina, you know, it's known that, you know, we've got a church on every corner basically. Um, Right. Same in Texas. The tended, the tendency here is there's a, there's a big, um, there's a big feeling that it's like a big country club, you know, mm. who's, who's dressed the nicest, who has mm-hmm. the nicest car, whose family is sitting together, all peaceful, quiet, and picturesque. Like, right. Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure God came to save sinners <laughs> and, and imperfect people. So right. let's drop the facade, shall we? <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, you're, you're so right. And that's, that's very much like um, the way we, the way we, and Star Trek does this a lot, where they talk about, you know, I think I always think of my my episode that I used in uh, in the book as kind of the archetype of how Star Trek deals with religion is Return of the Archons. And, you know, the idea is that, you know, Landrew gave us these great teachings and saved our civilization, and we want to work very hard to save the teachings of Landrew. So we've created computer Landrew to basically run our whole society, but we've lost the spirit of what Landrew was teaching. Yeah. We've we've lost that entirely, and we've become so systematized that you know we we've created something that's killing our souls, and we do that with religion a lot. And what you're talking about there is a particular type of performative religion mm-hmm. that is very much about how other humans see me, and not really at all about my relationship to the divine. Yeah, and that's that's very important. And I think again with this episode, we're dealing with that kind of dichotomy. We have Dijamat who's all about his quest right and seems to really believe that this is what the makers want seems to really believe and that's something really important to remember about religious leaders who take us to all kinds of crazy places there are people who are backstabbing and deceitful and manipulative and know that what they're saying is false and they're just liars there are those people but perhaps more dangerous are the people who are themselves deceived and believe the lies so deeply that they preach it as truth that oh, yeah. that they will that they will take you know that they will stake their lives on mm. and they encourage other people to follow them in that and that's what we've got here with Jamaat, i think yeah and you actually talked about this in in uh, the early uh, the early parts of your book about the type of religion i won't say mm-hmm. christianity because i think it it's it's broader in scope religion mm-hmm. that gene roddenberry railed against yes he was, he was against the charlatans he was against the yes. people who were putting on a show a facade or you know mm-hmm. he was against he was against that stuff he was against yep. the okay how big how big is your tithe that you're putting in the plate you know make sure everyone hears every little coin that drops in there <laughs> like right that's not what this is about like, right. and I, I think, I think part of that goes along with what good sci-fi, not just Star Trek, but really good sci-fi has done for decades is, mm-hmm. um, is hold a mirror up right. to us and say, and it's, it's a cautionary tale of like, Hey, 
this stuff has happened. We're, we're kind of telling a story, a parable, if you will, about it, you know, Hey, we should probably learn something from this and open our eyes and, you know, really take a look around. One of the things, one of the, I, I, you know, I don't get into it much here on the show. Um, but I, I am a Christian. And one of the things I think the greatest thing that one of the greatest things God gave us is free will and our, our ability to reason our bill, our logic. He gave us logic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You you mentioned Spock as a Christ figure quite often, Uh, but yeah, he gives us logic and he gives us the ability to look at a situation and be like, Hey, you know what? There's something wrong. There's something rotten in Denmark. Like something's amiss here. We've, we've, we've lost the plot. We've, you know, we've, something's gone awry and Mm -hmm. what do we need to do to fix it? And I, you know, there's that great clip from the newsroom of Jeff Daniels, of course, spouting off a bunch of uh, statistics about, you know, coming back to the main point of America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Right. But he ends that he ends that whole rant with. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Yes. And, you know, in terms of religion, over the over the decades, over the centuries, Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot there's been a lot of problems that have not been acknowledged. Those problems did not get smaller. Yes, (laughs) they grew and and they multiplied. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that is very much rooted in what I would call the imperialization of faith. Okay, where where uh, Rome adopts you know, Christianity as the national religion. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of goes sideways from there. Uh, not that it hadn't gone sideways before to that point at any point, but, uh, but once we get this idea that we have to have this religious hierarchy, there's religious power structure, religion becomes about power, you know, state and religion are very closely married in their, in their original uh, inception early in early in Christian history. Right. Mm. And they are in other places too. Mm-hmm. And once that starts to take root, then it becomes very difficult to affect change. It, because like you said, you have to be able to admit there's a problem. And when the, when the leadership, when the hierarchy, when the, the, the power structure is so thick and so deep, you know, it's very, very hard. It's incremental and slow, the changes that happen. So what's happening now with various um, pastors stepping away from ministries, various uh, denominations coming under fire for various things, different things crumbling, that is the this, this particular step on a very long road of people working very hard to have their grievances heard. I mean, going back to Martin Luther, he wasn't trying to start his own church. He was trying to transform the Catholic church and make it and and fix some of the problems he saw in it. And when that didn't happen, he went off on his own. And, you know, that's what keeps happening in churches for good or ill, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's petty and silly. Sometimes it's over nine days instead of 10. And sometimes it's over whether or not I can get a divorce. I'm looking at you, Henry VIII. So like, I don't know if it really, that's probably an oversimplification, but still, still, um, you know, that those kinds of things do, do play into it. And it's very hard to affect change. And this story would be a story that Gene would have loved. Mm. He, he would really have loved this because this is the kind of harm that he saw in religion 
that put him off religion generally. He yeah. was an irreligious person. I think if he had a religion, it would be humanism. Um, but as I say in the book, he was not an atheist either. I mean, he didn't believe in uh, in, in God as is conceived um, as, as a person, right? Um, but certainly believed in the divinity of all of us and in this great divinity of which we're a part. Um, so he definitely had faith or, or ideas about what comes after this life and what, you know, what we mean and why we're here and our connection to the divine and all of that. But religion, especially this kind, I think he would really have liked to see this story about these religious terrorists who are brought down, not just a peg, but brought down several pegs, you know, and oh, yeah. really shown just how, I mean, again, you let that be your last battlefield, same sort of thing with racism. It's, it's about power much more than it's about who's white on the right or, or black on the left it's it's much more about that it's much more these these entrenched cultural struggles to the point that nobody even really thinks much about where they come from anymore yeah and he, so he would he would have loved this story i think absolutely and and, know, and i would be right there with him <laughs> amening <laughs> yeah yeah uh you mentioned you mentioned gene roddenberry's faith uh, a bit if if yeah. if you knowing your background and your your uh your knowledge on uh religion um even aside your personal walk and we won't even get to your personal walk but it's clear you have a great a great knowledge of of faith and theology i try um in in discussing in discussing uh, not to detract uh, we're going to detract for just a little bit here but talking <laughs> about gene roddenberry's faith if mm-hmm. if you had to assign a position within his own body, let's say an organ, where would you say that he would store his faith? Would you say it would be like in the lungs or maybe somewhere in this general region? Would he have like faith? Would it be faith of the, would it be, oh. would it be faith of the, uh, I'm not sure where, where, where are you, are you, you leading? Are keep... you leading me to heart? Or is this an actual question? Where, where, where would you, where do you think he would keep his faith? <laughs> Here, I thought this is a real question, and you're just <laughs> trying to get me to say, faith of the heart. There it is. There it is, man. <laughs> we have an episode called Faith of the Heart. No, I'm talking about Enterprise um, on its anniversary. But, you know, I was thinking about that seriously, though, when you were saying that, and I, and I almost said brain. Um, because yeah. I well, really you know think you're absolutely right. And in, you know, in this, sorry to cut you off here, but I, no, I had no. this thought and I wanted to make sure I, it got out. I wonder how a journey, you know, a gospel according to examining characters like Tony Stark, mm-hmm. who quite literally had a, you know, a change of his vision, uh, you know, and his, yeah. you know, he's the human, the humanist is here, ladies and gentlemen, you know, well, you know <laughs> right, right. here he is, you know, uh, the great technological thing. And, and he ends mm-hmm. up, you know, it ends up calling a lot of, things that he hadn't considered you know but a Mm -hmm. lot of it he regains his humanity i think and i think there's i think there's it would be an interesting journey have you have you toyed with the idea of doing a similar thing with a different franchise i know there i know that there are other gospel according to books um i have one of them actually oh yeah Um, yeah i've got uh the gospel according to lost Um, Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the wife and I were fans of that show for some Mm -hmm. reason. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I, I wonder if someone has considered doing, or if you yourself have considered doing something, I, not that you need anything else on your plate, but uh, if you had considered any other franchises to examine, uh, you know, to examine through the Christian worldview lens. Um, absolutely. Uh, I have lots of projects because this was just going to be one book. And now it's a series of books and a podcast, and it was a blog for a long time, and it's kind of taken over my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually, um, I, you know, I think about everything you know, in relationship mm. to a Christian worldview. And, mm. you know, that particularly helps with my son, you know, with being able to talk about things that he sees and, and, and help him to engage those things thoughtfully, you know, and, and think about the uh, ethical implications or, or whatever, of whatever he's watching, mm. whatever he's engaging with or the games he's playing. Yeah. And, and so that that's been really helpful, but in terms of just like professionally, yeah, definitely. I have a big love for, um, fred rogers he is a nice. huge like i talk about fred a lot on the show i try not to do it too much um but he is a big hero of mine there's there's and worse so, people there's worse people you could talk about <laughs> yeah there are there are a lot worse and um and so yeah there is it there is actually I, I have a contract for a gospel according to star trek oh let me see <laughs> i actually have a contract for the gospel according to mr rogers neighborhood so that will come in the future um Fine. at some point um oh, i also i wrote uh a um, what amounts to a master's thesis. Um, it was, it was an independent study project that I wrote getting my master's degree um, on the history of Jesus films. And so there's a lot of work in that genre that I want to do. And um, also discussing the films of Martin Scorsese. I'm a big Scorsese fan. Nice. So there's that and uh, we, all we kinds might, of things we like might that. have to have you on this on cinema shock too man yeah well, <laughs> I, i'm the, i'm the guy who wrote a paper on alice cooper in seminary so you know that's just <laughs> have you seen him live <laughs> no i haven't but i want to <laughs> he came to town a few years ago oh wow it was so <laughs> awesome man yep he's pretty sorry, great sorry. he's pretty great <laughs> it was a lot of before fun. we get off on all our other nerderies um but yeah yeah so star trek is star is, trek yes. you know star trek is my thing um but at some point I, I will diversify yes and i have in the past diversified but oh actually i have a book coming out um this fall on the band so uh, if, really? if you don't, yeah, from the seventies, a lot of people don't, they think they don't know the band, but go look them up. You do. And uh, they, they played with Bob Dylan and uh, nice. I co-edited, co-edited a book for which I wrote uh, a chapter. So, so oh, I do, man. I do do other things. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's really cool though. You know, you mentioned uh, the exam. I had in my mind uh, a similar idea for either an examination, be it, uh, you know, some sort of long form written something or other, or maybe blog mm -hmm. posts or a podcast type thing, examining um, religious principles presented through film, um, mm -hmm. you know, just because I'm a big fan of, you know, the book of Eli and uh, mm -hmm. Richard Donner's Superman. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that list is extensive. I can't yes. recall all of them off, you know, Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty. Yes. Those, those movies are great. Yep. Uh, and present some really fantastic ideas. Uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Dogma. Dogma. Great picture. Yeah, you can't get yeah. away from Dogma. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I think Cinema Shock actually, before I joined the show uh, as an official co-host, 
mm-hmm. they had a life of christ series and they oh nice yeah it was I, i'll i'll shoot you a link to that uh anybody yeah, who's interested cinemashock.net it's it's all there um cool. but yeah yeah that's that stuff is is really interesting and i think at one point i was writing a comic book um it was my from from my perspective the story of samson and mm. seeing you know as i started you know and i was writing it as a, as an adult and it was always my favorite bible story as a kid growing up because i was like oh man he's kind of like a superhero this is really cool. <laughs> cool as i started to get into it i was like oh he's more like the punisher like this dude brutally <laughs> murdered a lot of people yep <laughs> a yep. lot and when he wasn't murdering he was pretty much whoring around like he, that was the other he, that was the other thing he liked to do a lot yeah i was like heroes oh, of the bible kids oh yeah i was just like this is not the story that was presented to me in sunday school right right <laughs> but anyways uh getting back to this episode um you know i feel like there's there is that idea of feeling like an outsider in a world that is thinking less and less about religion. Hmm. Have you experienced that to any degree? Have you have you been the other? Have you been in a in a situation where it's just kind of you know where it's more of mm-hmm. like oh you're oh you're a Christian so I guess we'll just uh, let you do your thing, man. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> have you experienced that at all? That you'd like to share? <laughs> <laughs> it is weird because. Um, I try, I I think I've cultivated over the years, a way of expressing my faith that, uh, doesn't, that, that makes it clear that whatever you have in your head, when you think Christian, that's not me. Um, if if you, as far as the negative stuff that tends to, this tends to predominate, um, a lot of our conversation. Um, so, but I have certainly been in spaces and at times when, when I felt like I, I don't have the experiences the people around me have because I did kind of grow up in the Christian world a little more than I grew up in the world world, which I didn't do that to a degree that I was, you know, Amish or something. But I did, right. you know. But everybody has their little, their kind of bubble of protection. I, I, I feel like mine uh, wore through. Uh, gradually enough that I wasn't real bruised by it. Um, But I think what's interesting is as the world more and more, the world around me says, I don't know about religion. I don't feel too good about church. My feeling has more been, yeah, me too. Um, You know, I have spent about the past 20 years of my life um, trying to figure out how we continue to preserve Christian faith when the institutions of Christianity simply don't do it anymore or are pushing so many of us away. So I'm kind of, I'm right with those people who were like, man, I, you know, I have no, I have, I don't belong in a church. You know, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to feel like I belong walking into a church, even though I grew up in them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I had a guy come to my book table once and I have two books. Uh, One of them is Spockology. Um, which I, which I put out before the gospel book, and it was a collection of blog posts that we used to have a thing called uh, Spocktober every year on the Undiscovered Country Project, which is what became Gospel According to Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, I collected all those blog posts together, plus some new writing or tribute to Spock and all this. And this guy was interested in buying that book, 
And, uh, and I said, yeah, well, and if you want, you know, I've got this other book over here too. And he said, oh, no, no, no. He's, uh, he's, he's like, I'm from, I'm from whatever state he said, I don't remember. He says, so I'm surrounded by a lot of these, you know, Christian people. So I hear the word gospel and I just go, Bleh. Uh... and I said, well, I wrote this book for people who, when they hear the word gospel, go, Bleh. he said, how much for both? <laughs> So, nice. you know, it was <laughs> so because it's really true. I did write the book for, for people who hear the when they hear the word gospel, blah, blah, because, you know, I've felt that in my own heart, my own life, that that disconnect between just like um, the character in, in this episode. What's his name? Um, um, it's it's um, Jonathan Del Arco, isn't it? Uh, are you talking about Yarek? Yarek. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, just like Yarek in this episode feels like there's this distance you know right uh archer Riker, archer asks him is this the faith that you grew up with and he was like well no and obviously some of us do grow up with oppressive religion and some of us do grow up with with religion that tells us things that aren't true but the idea in that scene is is this really what the makers want mm -hmm. is this really the life that your faith has called you to are you really supposed to be slaughtering other people in the name of the makers? Yeah. And he's able to say, yeah, you know, actually, no, I'm not that this isn't it. And that's, I think how a lot of us feel that our religious structures have abandoned us. So I really related to him in this episode and cheered for him and rooted for him and, and felt really bad for Dejamat because I felt like he was, he sincerely believed what he believed, but he was, he had gone very far astray. Yeah. I think it's um, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Yeah, says says says, says somebody. I, I can't remember who <laughs> who said that. Where, I read it somewhere. I, I don't, I don't His name know. starts with L. It ends with Ord. <laughs> yeah, you know. In talking about that, I uh, I, I distinctly remember because I mentioned I went to Bob Jones for nine yeah. years. Uh, served a nine God year sentence. I served a nine year sentence for a <laughs> crime I'm not sure I committed. <laughs> um, but after that is when uh, my mom and dad, you know. Uh, homeschooled me for my freshman year mm -hmm. and then took me right to public high school. Wow. Big, big culture shock. Turn big around bright shock. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went in there feeling like the other because uh, not yeah. long, not long before I started going to public high school was the Columbine massacre. Wow. And so that's what my parents, that's what specifically my mother thought public high school was well he's going to be wow. dodging bullets at every turn and wow. they're, they're going to they're if they don't if they don't murder him they'll rape him as soon as he gets in the front door <laughs> like, right right uh and you know some of the first people i met at public high school were who saw me sitting next to my locker reading my bible in the morning and said hey you know we have a christian club that meets every week and i was like oh wow really and they go yeah you should come and i was like yeah okay i will and i got there and they were like it was student-led and yeah. they were singing and you know there was someone giving a devotional and like like oh these are oh this this is oh this is this is real this is a yeah. different this is a different type of thing than i'm used to seeing yeah. I was, I was thinking that I was the other and I was, and I was an other of an other, I was an anomaly right, of right. an anomaly. Like, right. oh, it's not, it's not actually supposed to be that oppressive the way I was, the way mm -hmm. I've been raised for my whole life to this point. Like it can, you know, 
it can be real. Like it's, it's a real thing. And I've never forgotten that. And, uh, you know, I think in talking about, you know, they mentioned I've this podcast brought to you in part by Kevin Smith's dogma, um, (laughs) where they talk about the factioning, uh, the factioning of the religions. And, you know, it was always very much, Hey, we go to this church and this is the church we go to. And this is what we believe. Uh And And I was like, well, but what about so-and-so they go to the place across town? No, that's a Methodist church. We don't go to a Methodist church. Well, what about over, you know, my other buddy, he goes to this thing and it's like, no, that's Episcopalians. We don't, you know, we don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about this one? It's like, no, they handle snakes. (laughs) That's not, that's not a thing we do. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm super down for handling snakes anyway, but like, uh, you know, right. Um, And, you know, that, that was a big thing of like, if they're even, even other under the umbrella of Christianity, if it wasn't Baptist, it was wrong. I was like, right. They, they, they read the Bible too. Like what, Mm -hmm. what, what what version of the Bible are they reading? (laughs) Right. That is so different from what I've got in my hand. Right. Um, I mean, thoughts on that in terms of like how, how this how this all came to be where what are what do we do kevin (laughs) tell me what we're supposed to do kevin (laughs) i tell you what one of the great gifts of my life um is the uh diversity of christian experience to which i've been exposed over my life Mm. so i came up uh, as a very young child in an assemblies of god church where my aunt was the pastor and my grandmother led the music and uh, then my, my family joined a Baptist church. And so I spent most of my time in a Baptist church, but my other grandparents were Methodist. And then through my love of music and my exposure to like Christian bookstores and all of that, I discovered um, musicians with influences from uh, Catholic tradition, from uh, particularly from, from ancient Celtic tradition and started learning about all different kinds of things. So even though my religious life was fairly narrow in terms of what I lived, I, I got voices and influences from a lot of different places. And I think uh, one of the things that I like to say is that we have to learn that culture is not a confrontation, but a conversation. Mm. And because we, we have a tendency, like in this episode, the idea that this whole thing starts from, well, we believe the makers created the spheres in nine days and they believe the makers created them in 10. And you think, well, that's ridiculous. How can people fight for that long? And I'm sure if Archer had let Yarek continue, he would have been able to explain why that's such a big deal, right? right? Because right. we do have things in our Christian past, like does the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father or from the Father and the Son? People have killed each other over that, yeah. okay? And we look at that now and it's like, Okay, uh, is communion uh, a representation? You know, is, is Christ present spiritually in the communion, or does the wafer turn into flesh and the wine turn into blood? Do we really have to know, right? Is it really that important? Most Christians today look at that and say, eh, you know, I believe this or I believe that, but I'm not going to fight you over it. And so it's weird how the things that we fight over even have shifted. The reasons we have different factions and different denominations have shifted. But I think more and more, if we recognize number one, each other's humanity, and number two, the idea that we all kind of want the same thing, 
right? Yeah. That I think we'll start to, we can start to, again, have a conversation and not a confrontation to figure out that we disagree on these things. So maybe it's best to not fight each other over that. Yeah, maybe it's best to not fight each other over it. Mm. Um, uh, and, and maybe it's better to try to see what we can do with the things that we do agree on, mm. you know, and, and make some progress there. Yeah. And not just within Christian circles, but, you know, between faiths and, you know, people with, you know, no particular faith or what have you, you know, there are lots of things that we have in common and we can focus on those things. And I think more and more as our culture is seeing division, more and more as our culture is seeing people dividing off into warring camps in very active ways, in very victoriolic ways, we can, for the most part, see how toxic and poisonous that is. And there's a lot of people who are working hard to not get dragged into that. And I think that is a holy thing. <laughs> I think that is a sacred thing. Yeah. Um, because we go through the struggles we go through as humanity. We're always going to go through them. Um, we're always going to go in cycles, you know, but as we learn each time around the loop, I think we have more and more capacity to, to reach across to other people and say, Hey, you're human too. Let's human together. Yeah. I uh. think to be honest, like, and I'm, uh, you know, I've got a story to go along with this, but like uh, at the at the core of it is the idea of like, I think one of the best things, and, and again, I mentioned earlier about, you know, Trekkers having this tendency to try to prove themselves or prove their yep. fandom by sounding like the smartest person in the room. I think <laughs> one of the best things, most accessible things to say in a, in a conversation, not a confrontation, be it Trek or religion or a lot of things, really, it's to just say, you know what? I don't know. Yes. Or I haven't, I haven't learned it yet. Or you know what? I, I take it on faith or, yeah. but to be, to, to be human and say, I don't know, yeah. you know, and just, and just say like, you know what? I'm, I'm on this journey. I'm on this journey. I don't have it all together. You know, those people that I saw in the church as a, as a child who dressed to the nines and did this whole big show of mm -hmm. church, you know, it would have come across so much better. It's just, I don't know. You know what? It's been a rough week. I, I, yep. it's, been, it's been really hard. It's been really yep. hard. And you know what? I don't feel super Christian right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I got yelled at by my boss. My wife's angry at me. My kids hate me. Like, I yep. just don't have it together, man. <laughs> um, it, yep. It's very humanizing. You know, we talk about mm -hmm. this whole thing about being human, you know, and embracing that. And then not only embracing that within ourselves, but embracing that in others. And I yes. think that's, that's where we make those connections. And uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah. Well, and the thing we say on the show all the time that I know uh, my co-host David would say if he were if he were here, is that the great thing about humanity is that we're we are created in the image of God, and that every other human being is a bearer of the image of God. And when you recognize that in someone else, then you tend to behave in ways that reflect the image of God within yourself as well. Yeah. And and so that's 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 a big kind of cosmic idea, but it comes down to just treating each other kindly and with respect, mm. um, and and really admitting those things about ourselves. Like you said, I mean, the, the performative nature of our religious uh, actions is, is toxic. Yeah. It's, it's poisonous to us. And the more we let that go and the more we connect with one another as human beings, because being human is beautiful, the better off we are. Religion has done us this disservice, at least Christian religion particularly has done us this disservice that I can speak to, which is to separate 
off our humanity from our spirituality and to say that everything that's human is broken and fallen and bad. And therefore, if it's human, it's wrong. You know, don't follow your heart because the heart is wicked, deceitful above all things. It's like, uh, but actually we desire things because they are what we are meant to desire because they will help us to become better humans. We want, you know, we want things that we want and the desires of our heart, they can lead us to what God has in store for us. And that's a good thing, you know, but so marrying that, rejoining that, I think of the original series uh, episode, The Enemy Within, when Kirk is mm-hmm. schismed into these two people. And, yeah. and rather than killing the bad one and keeping the good one, you have to put them both together into one whole person mm-hmm. for him to be able to move forward. And we've too often fractured ourselves, not just from one another, but within ourselves. Yeah. And so when we can bring our whole selves to our church, when we can bring our whole selves to our faith, when we can bring our whole selves, including our faith out to our nerd room or, or wherever we go into our politics or into our families, wherever we live, when we can live as whole people and know that others and, and make, create an environment for people where they know that they're going to be accepted as their whole selves. That makes all the difference. Yeah. It makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Well, I, I I think that's a great place to end the discussion there. But let's <laughs> let, before before we end up wrapping things up, let's get to our section that we've lovingly titled "Who Do We Blame?" Uh, yes. This episode we've mentioned before. This episode was written by Manny Cotto, who his last work on the series was season three, episode ten, "Similitude," which that was a super heavy episode. I, oh yeah, yeah, with uh, the clone of Trip. Yes. And them deciding whether or not it should live or die. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, Star we had Trek. A, my uh my wife came on for that episode and we had a fantastic, fantastic oh. discussion about um she's a big fan of uh Jody Peacolt, who mm-hmm. um wrote the wrote the book My Sister's Keeper, which was uh made into a movie starring Cameron Diaz and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but it's basically um uh, talking about uh, these siblings that are basically born to supplement uh, organs, blood, whatever the other oh, sibling. Right. Need. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, surrogate siblings or mm-hmm. uh, I, I forget the term, but it's right. Man, that's some heavy. That's some heavy stuff, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, this episode was uh, directed by Roxanne Dawson, aka yes. Lana Torres from Yes, uh, from Voyager. Uh, she's right. done. She's done some really fantastic episodes. I she has. I you know I've I've uh, really uh, sung the praises of um, Dead Stop uh, mm. after after the episode in uh, Enterprise Minefield, which. That episode cements Travis Mayweather as my favorite crew member from Enterprise. Nice. <laughs> yeah, because he, because he, uh, like, I'll, you know, a lot of people want to say, hey, Sulu for helm. And I'm like, hey, that's fine. Travis Mayweather manually piloted the NX01 through a minefield. Right. <laughs> He's pretty great. The the defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> but anyways, no, Kayla the, Detmer, but still good. Right, right. No, she's great too. Um, the very next episode after Minefield is Dead Stop, where they mm. go to this this station that can just magically fix the ship and all this yes. other stuff. And oh, it has such a good one. It has some real horror movie vibes. And we yes, didn't really get into this discussion very much, but a lot of Enterprise um could 
easily translate into horror films. Yes, like, good. Very, very easily. That's a discussion for mm-hmm. another day. Anyways, yes, it is. Um, but it's interesting that Roxanne Dawson on this episode, that Roxanne Dawson is the director. I don't know how much say she had in directing it, but she's Catholic. Oh, and uh and so and so nice. if you you know uh you know you think about this as a as a episode that deals with religion yeah oh yeah director. yeah the yep. last the last episode she directed was uh season three episode six exile and mm. uh guest stars we i had some trouble finding some info on the star uh guest stars but the most notable of which is digimot uh played wonderfully by connor o'farrell uh mm. his he's this is not his first rodeo with the franchise his last uh, episode that he did was actually back in season one it was season one episode 18 rogue planet which uh that was a real fun episode because oh, yeah. that's the that's the one where archer um uh it the aliens appear to archer based on his thoughts and his memories from a poem that his mother read him as a child we actually took the opportunity to find the poem and my wife played archer's mom and we did an nice. episode where she does the poem and i play some sound effects in the back and then she says good night johnny and that and oh. then we did that as a bonus episode it was a lot of fun and i can't wait to do more stuff like that in the future that's um, so cool yeah it was it was really cool i'm really proud of how it how it turned out too um in two in uh 2021 the digital fix said that guest actor colin o'farrell uh delivered a very strong performance which yeah he, he does he's very he does. convincing as this uh as this terrorist leader i almost said religious mm-hmm. leader he's not a religious leader he's no. a terrorist <laughs> he's a he's a religion appropriating terrorist leader yes yes yeah. or or religion appropriating terrorist or rat Yes. Um, oh my gosh. That's terrible. I shouldn't what? say that. No, oh, that's that's so great. Oh, it makes, it makes you look at uh yeah, it makes you look at things like uh you know uh the iconography of things like uh of, of uh mouse. Did you ever read mouse by arts? I have Googling? not read it, but I'm, a, I'm familiar with it. I know Ooh, it's, it's pretty it's great. I've read bits so of it. Oh good, it's so yeah, good. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, thinking about things like that makes me wonder like how this would look uh, you know, to have folks like Digimon and his people portrayed as rats because they're a religious appropriating terrorist. I I, I really (laughs) like that. I like that. Um, But anyways, uh, reviewers uh, and uh, Kevin as well noted this episode's uh, very similar to uh, TOS season three, episode 15. Let that be your last battlefield. Let that be your last battlefield. Uh, noting the switch of religion for racism um yeah. and uh herc of ain't it cool news gave the episode a 2.5 out of 5 it's a little low in my opinion but uh, yeah. ign gave this episode a 7 out of 10 that's mm-hmm. a little bit better but yeah um final thoughts but before we get into final thoughts let me ask you kevin is this episode essential viewing is this something that someone watching enterprise someone watching star trek the franchise as a whole, if they are watching this for the first time, is this one of the episodes that you would include? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I would say an episode, episodes of this type are essential to Star Trek. Because one of the things that Gene was most interested in was our relationship to religion and our relationship to God. So you have to include those episodes. Mm. Whether this is one of those uh, is, is a judgment call, I think. Um, certainly let let that be your last battlefield is and since this reflects it in another way you could say well no because it's doing the same thing twice 
or yeah, because we can have the same conversation about religious conflicts and we can see that it's about more than just racism. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it could go either way for me. I, I wouldn't consider it. I probably wouldn't consider it in itself to be essential as much as I would consider the, the pocket of episodes that it lives in to be essential. So mm-hmm. if you happen to pull, pull this episode out of that pocket, it would be a good representative. Right. No, that, no, that's great. How's that for a good dancing around non answer? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that's some fancy footwork, sir. Uh, I'll, I'll say that um, to kind of echo something that you said, I, I don't think this is essential to the overall plot, but I think this would be great if you're looking at Jonathan Archer episodes. True. Yes. Because like I mentioned at the top of this, uh, at the top of the episode today, you know, we've seen him on sort of this downward spiral of mm-hmm. trying to right this wrong that has been done to this place. It, it's it's over and done. Like, yeah. And we're willing, and he's essentially at a place where he's willing to throw away diplomacy. He's willing yeah. to tarnish the galaxy's view of Earth and humanity to to write to write something he can't he can't fix this. He can't yeah. fix dead. <laughs> right. He, Trip, Trip's sister is gone. That sucks. It's terrible. But there's nothing Archer can do about it. There's nothing yeah. Starfleet can do about it. And it's you mm-hmm. know, you I mean, gosh, you don't want to be, you don't want to belittle anybody's personal loss. I mean, I feel like we've sure. all been there. We've all lost someone, be it to old age or a disease or an accident or something. It yes. sucks. No matter how it happens, it sucks. But big picture <laughs> like you still have the sun will come out tomorrow what are you gonna <laughs> well, do with it <laughs> like well, i mean that's true but at the same time it's like i i think when people are trying to do things that like you say are rectifying a wrong they can't fix i mean that comes from a very understandable place of helplessness yeah, yeah. you know i think we all feel helpless before tragic events and it's understandable to want to do something about it and I'm not sure if uh, Archer's motives are always, you know, pure, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or is, if he's thinking or seeing as clearly as he could be. Right. Um, but, you know, this this episode, I think, very much does cause him to ask questions about that to himself. And and yeah, might be might be helping him find his way. I hope I hope it is. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, going back to, you know, how how Enterprise came into this world, like just after 9-11 yeah. i gotta wonder if this story may have been born out of some things that the country was going through at that time it definitely absolutely specifically was yes yeah and uh, this 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 whole line of of the the attack on florida all of that was absolutely rooted in that that's yeah. that was it's all attempted attempting to address that i feel like we could talk about this episode at great length for a lot longer than i'm sure either of us actually have <laughs> but, yeah um, i'm sure we can yeah oh gosh uh so uh any other final thoughts before we move into next week final thoughts on the episode yeah or... enter- the the episode enterprise as a whole the okay. franchise as a whole your experience okay. here on the podcast any final <laughs> thoughts that you've got okay, all right right well, first of all, thank you for bringing me on because this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And my um, pleasure, man. Appreciate it very much. And uh, thanks for reading my book because that's something you didn't have to do. And I appreciate that too, very much. Um, and also just, yeah, if you're watching Star Trek and you're seeing episodes like this, 
think carefully about them because I really believe that for the most part, Star Trek doesn't preach hard against uh, faith, doesn't preach hard against uh, religion that leads to human flourishing. It preaches hard against the abuse of faith and the abuse of religion, um, which is something Gene Roddenberry railed against, something I will join him in railing against, and something anybody of faith should rail against. So, um, and, and, try to try to go forward um, as my friend says not angrily defending the faith but just quietly going on with it and uh, so yeah it's Thanks. it's and it's a great series you should see more of it <laughs> yeah it's you know i that was one of the things that as we got into this you know when i was talking about uh starting this show with some friends of mine that i was like oh, i'm gonna you know cover the franchise in chronological order and a couple of them are more savvy than others were like mm-hmm. so you get enterprise out of the way first i was like <laughs> well uh, yeah, kind of <laughs> but I, I i feel like enterprise gets a lot of undeserved hate and it's not yes, a perfect show but like it's none of them solid. are by the way yeah right it's, right it's yeah it's really good i like it a lot i think if it hadn't been rushed into its conclusion it could have gone some really great places I think and so if too. they hadn't chosen to put it on cbs instead of keeping syndication it probably would have gotten the seven seasons and and been able to live out its life like every other star trek series but exactly. it just yeah just didn't work out yeah i uh you know watching it, this is something that i've been that I've mentioned a few times on the show so far being that this show is 20 years old. Some of these mm-hmm. episodes hit differently today than yep. they did 20 years ago. And it, right. defi- it definitely deserves a second look and yep. uh, consideration. So, uh, well, anyways, next week we will be joined by actor and YouTuber, Jay Curtis Strickland to discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 13, Proving Ground, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Kevin, where can people find your writings and support what you're doing? Well, you can uh, check out the podcast, the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast. We are on most podcast players in the world, or you can go to anchor.fm slash G-A-T-S-T. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at Gospel Trek Pod, on Instagram at, at Gospel Trek Pod, Gospel According to Star Trek on Facebook. You can look me up, Kevin Cenis, N E E C E. I've got kevincenis.com. It's out there. Um, and you can connect with us in all those ways. Come say hi. Come listen. Come join us on the journey. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. 
The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> yeah, it's it's fun because, you know, we... I'm <coughs> sorry. Hang on a sec. <coughs> there we go. That's that's for you to edit later because you needed something to edit. I was I was gonna say, demons be gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. How's that for a slice of fried gold?